Lord, we thank you. We join in many thanks for this miracle, for the healing and the preservation of this little boy. We thank you, God, that you kept him alive. God, we thank you for the doctors. We thank you for medicine. But, Lord, we thank you for your hand that has been upon him that kept him and turned him around. We give you all the praise and glory. We recognize that you are the ultimate great physician. And Bentley, you will grow strong in the Lord. You will be a mighty warrior for the Lord. You will be strong. And you will run. And you will do great exploits for the Lord. And now, Lord, I pray, Lord, Colossians 3 over him, that Christ will be his life, that he will have his mind, even from a young age, have his mind set on on things above, set on you. We're believing, God, that he's going to be a blessing. He's going to touch many lives. God, we pray that you would protect him from the evil one. We pray, God, that your blessing would rest upon him. And I pray, God, that you would be with Chris and Danielle. Lord, as his parents, God, that you would give them wisdom because we know that the enemy is real and would try, Lord, to bring discouragement and destruction, Lord, to their family. But, Lord, we pray a hedge around him and around this whole family. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in him and through him. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to go ahead and take a moment to continue to worship through the Lord, through our giving here today. And I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness here today. And we're going to ask the ushers if you would just come forward. And I want you to just take your, your offering that you have in your hand, your tithe. And I want you to just pray with me because... We're not just going through dropping something into a bucket. This represents something. This represents your faith. This represents your love for God. This represents your desire to see God move in people's lives. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we want to say thank you, Lord. You're the ultimate giver. And, Lord, we want to follow, Lord, well in your footsteps. God, we don't want to be marked by any selfishness. We don't want to be marked by any fear. God, we just want to be marked by love. And, Lord, love gives. And, Lord, we give because we love you. And, God, we are asking that you would use this offering to be a blessing to people, Lord, who need to be blessed, people who don't know you. God, use this to further your kingdom. Bless each giver. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
That's a beautiful song. Plays a little harp in there. Almost wants to put you to sleep right there for a second. <laughs> Amen. Well, this morning, uh, our speaker that's going to be sharing God's word with us today is Dave Taylor. For those who knew, know Dave, uh, need no introduction. And uh, Dave is a wonderful brother in the Lord, uh, an awesome teacher, an awesome man of God. Dave serves on our board and. Uh, He's been with us serving on our board for a long time. I don't know how many years, but I just really appreciate him serving in that capacity. He's been involved in life groups. In fact, he's been involved in so many things. I mean, him and his wife, Jeannie, an awesome couple in the Lord, have made a huge difference in Calvary. Calvary is what it is because of, of these people and, and, uh, and making a huge contribution to, to his kingdom and to this church. And not only has he been a blessing to this church, but also to our family, and, and to me personally, they're great friends, and uh, I love them so much, and, uh, and I thank the God what he's done through them, and, and he's going to do through him today, and uh, I asked David, uh, he, in fact, he had a word for me, he says, Pastor, I got something in my heart, he says, whenever you feel, and I, I just kind of felt this was the time to go ahead and release the word, and uh, he comes from a background, kind of a rough background. He's going to kind of share a little bit about that here this morning. But uh, something a little bit different in how the word is brought here this morning. You're going to see it and hear it with your eyes. Would you give a welcome to our brother, Dave Taylor, here this morning? Come on, David. Bless you, brother. Good morning. Am I on? Good morning. Okay. We are... Um, we just witnessed there, Chris. Oh, they're gone. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, the scripture says. And um, it also says that uh, in Second Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the power the surpassing greatness of the power would be of God and not of us. There's a few scriptures in the, uh, in the notes there in your bulletin. And um, I don't think that we need much evidence to prove that we're made of clay. and that we're going back to the earth eventually, at least this flesh and blood is. Um, I've been, I, I became a potter. I'm a self-taught potter. I became a potter. Um, I started teaching myself in 1972. Jeannie and I had moved to Florida. Jeannie is my wife. We had moved to Florida, and I was working a job. I was working four 10-hour days, and she got a job teaching at an art center in Bel Air down near Clearwater. And in the course of things, she teamed up with 
a young couple in the arts, and she got involved in what they were doing. She was coming in in the morning, and I was going out to work. And she's my best friend. I got, I got married to spend time with her, and I found that this just was not working. So I quit my job, and I thought, well, what could I do? And this young guy, Bruce, was part of this couple that Jeannie was involved with, had been a potter. So we built a couple of potter's wheels out of two by fours and concrete, nice flywheel, some uh, just bound materials. And I started kicking on a potter's wheel. I was about 25 years old. I literally started with no motor, just pretty much the primitive, the primitive way of making pottery. And as things got better, we started doing sidewalk art shows. We would enter shows. We'd take pictures of our work. They were juried shows. We'd get into the shows. We'd start making money. I bought a wheel that had a motor on it. And then I bought this wheel. This wheel is actually over 40 years old. This is a professional wheel. It's a pretty expensive wheel. But I started out kicking on a potter's wheel. And um, I was working 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. I was not born again. But I was a heavy marijuana smoker. I didn't like myself very much, I've, I've come to learn over the course of time. And so I would get stoned. I literally had a joint in the morning with my coffee. And I would maintain a high all day long, but I was still able to work. And we'd build up supplies, and we'd go to these art shows. We'd work all week, and we'd fire, and, and we'd finish the pieces of pottery. And uh, could, did you put that guy up there? Alex, can you put him up there? This guy right here. He needs help. He's a piece of work. You put the other one up? Now, this guy here, he was going for a look. This was before the Lord. I was 25 years old, and that's my lovely wife. Right there, that was at an art show. God started sending people in our direction. We were doing a show up in Gainesville, a Santa Fe show, and a guy walked up, and he told us that we needed the Lord in our lives, that God loved us, that Christ died in my place. And I laughed him to scorn. I just, I said, get out of my face. We went to, did, we, and we did a show in Coconut Grove, and the same thing. Two, two young guys walked up, and they were witnessing to us. I was, I was stoned. I was at the show, and there was a line of people that had our clay pieces under their arms waiting to give me money for my work. We would literally take that money at the end of the day. We were staying in a motel in Coconut Grove, and I, mean, I, I would take, we would get on the bed and take the money out of, I'd take the money out of my pockets and we'd throw the money up in the air and jump up and down on the bed. We never made so much money. And these guys come up and told me I need the Lord. I laughed. I said, get out of my face. You're out of your mind. Leave me alone. Then we did a show at, um, 
Cocoa, uh, Cocoa Beach. And we, we were relaxing on the beach after the show, and a guy walked up. He's just walking down the beach, and he's handing out little cards. And, and he, he told us the Lord loved us. Well, we had saved up our money, and we were, we were planning on going back. We had been to Europe on our honeymoon, which was a life-changing experience. And that was part of what drove us to Florida, is we spent a lot of time on our honeymoon uh, on the Mediterranean, on the Adriatic Sea, uh, and we learned to sail a little bit, and we, we learned to dive, and, and uh, gosh, we shot octopus at night one, one time. It was, it was totally different than living in Michigan in the cold. So that's part of the motivation that moved us to Florida. And uh, so we wanted to go back. So we saved up our money. We paid for round-trip tickets to Europe, and we had our plans. We were all set. We were going to work. Jeannie was going to work. Uh, we had a connection in a foundry in, uh, on the coast of Italy, right on the Mediterranean. Jeannie was going to work in bronze. I was going to learn to, to do uh, the foundry work. She's the artist. That's, that's part of her work, the hands on the clay over there. And then we collaborate on a lot of, uh, on a lot of pieces that we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. But uh, we had all our own plans. So we're, we were up, we did a final art show, and we, were, we did the show at the end of July, 1974, and um, we were resting, relaxing up at her family cottage in the north woods of Michigan. She was on the beach, and I was taking a nap. And she came, she came in, and she said, Dave, she said, you gotta hear what my brother Lee has to say. He's talking about Jesus coming back. Well, that was the time when Hal Lindsey's Great Lake Planet Earth had just come out. And so there was a lot of talk about the end times, about the common market countries, and about the second coming of the Lord. Well, part of Lee's story was he was a Marine. He came back from uh, Vietnam in one piece. He was riding a motorcycle in the woods and he hit a stump and he was thrown off the motorcycle and he broke his back. He had become a born-again Christian. We heard about this. We were living in Florida. Jeannie's sister had gone up to see him from Florida and come back and when she, we asked her about what was up with Lee because we heard this strange stuff. He had become a Christian. Uh, it was pretty, pretty, pretty foreign to us, and uh, all, all her sister Margie could do when she talked about Lee and about what happened to him was cry. She just would break down and weep. So we're up in Michigan, and a Sunday afternoon, I'm taking a nap, Jeannie's down at the beach, and family's down there. She comes running back, Lee came up. Lee got dressed and was going to church, and he heard the Lord say, Go home, get your bathing suit, and go up to the cottage. Now this, I mean, this is unheard of. You're on your way to church. You've got spiritual things on your mind. This was, this was Lee, and he said he obeyed. He heard the word of the Lord, and he turned around. He didn't know why he went up to the, to the family cottage, except it was a divine appointment for Jeannie and I. Well, he was, he was on fire. He had a testimony. He had gone with his broken back and a couple of friends, somebody had given him the money, they had gone to New York State 
they'd gone to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting when she was still alive. She had a word of knowledge, and she pointed up to the ba- into the balcony, and she said, right now the Lord is telling me a young man is being healed of a broken back. He literally described it. He said, I felt this warmth just start at the top of my head and just run down my spine. I knew immediately that I was healed. He actually went back to the doctor and had before and after x-rays. He became a refrigerator repairman, and he moved refrigerators and heavy, and heavy uh, air conditioning units and that kind of thing. And he walks just as upright as you and I today. We saw him on the beach, and just all of this just worked together. He invited us to a Friday night prayer meeting in a basement in Royal Oak, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. And after the Lord sending this one, that one, there were other, other experiences that we had, that I had in particular, um, not time to tell, God's dealing. The grace was there for me. Now, I, I'm that guy in the glasses and the beard and the long hair. And Lee's pretty straight. But the grace was there, and so we went to this Friday night meeting. And I walked in, and they started worship. They had a wonderful worship. They had a couple of guitars, and they, they just had wonderful freedom in worship. And I looked around. It was a, quite an unusual experience for a stone freak like me. And I, I saw the men. They're worshiping, and the tears running down their faces. I mean, God broke me. There were, again, there were a lot, of, a lot of experiences the Lord sent people here and there. There were other things that happened that I don't have time to tell. But the bottom line is God was preparing me to answer the question, would you give your heart to the Lord? So after the meeting is over, I forget what the word was. You know, we're standing around, and, and they're having, they had, had some um, brownies and, and some drinks and that, and looked around. And, I mean, there was nobody for me to talk to. Now, Jeannie is a party animal. She's an otter. She will find a place. She will, she will find things. I mean, she is just, and that was part of, I think, was the reason that I got stoned a lot, because here I'm married to this person that's just so outgoing, and me, I would rather sit with a book and just, if I had something to say, fine. If you were there, okay. But if not, I'll keep to myself, you keep to yourself. So I'm looking around at all these people, and I'm thinking, I don't have anything in common. I said, Jeannie, where's Lee? He's gone. Well, he had gone upstairs, and he was praying in an upstairs, a private room with people that had prayer needs. So we walked up. I mean, i, I got to get out of here. This is, this is strange. And I didn't know anybody, nobody to talk to. So we go up in the hallway and locked on the door, Lee. And it's almost like a, an arm reached out of a, partly open door and grabbed us in. We're sitting down, and all of a sudden, I'm confronted with, do you want to give your, are you ready to give your heart to the Lord? Would you like for the Lord to take over your life? I was so burnt out on marijuana. My throat was raw. I had been smoking hash, and, and it just, I mean, I was, I was fed up with the whole thing. I was ready. And so, yes, both of us at the same time, I walked out of that place. I walked in a stone freak. I walked out a born-again child of God. And the outward, the, outward, the outward started to change. You know, I'm going to throw another, another piece here. 
Let's see if I can get this, get this off of here. If you do this right, it looks kind of easy, but the bottom line is, it's very fragile. <laughs> it's very fragile. Well, I lost the glasses. Um, I put them away. Uh, and, and I had always had a beard, and I, I figured I was, I was hiding. That piece is too soft. I was hiding behind a beard and the glasses and the long hair. I just didn't, I didn't want people to see the real me. But as God was dealing with me, all of a sudden I began to change. This, you know, the potter and the clay, this is, to me, of course I'm partial because, um, because I've been doing this for so long. This, of all, the, of all the occupations, all the things that I've done with my life, this is by far the most satisfying, the most rewarding. My problem was, it, it, it's a hard life. I mean, I've got to throw all week, I've got to fire, stay up all night, babysit the pots and things, and then go to the shows on the weekends. It just, it's hard to make a living, and so I've, I've had to do other things. But, but this is, to me, is, is so enjoyable. I could do this, again, I could do this all day long. Well, my life... Now, I, I think I can serve you best by asking you to put yourself on the wheel. I think we've come to a, the conclusion. There's a scripture in there, I believe it's from Job, chapter 33, where Elihu says to Job, I'm, I'm just like you, I'm from God. I've been formed from the clay. I mean, there's no question. And so put yourself on this wheel. But first of all, Without the Lord, our lives are, are out of center. Can you see? This wheel makes a lot of noise. But the bottom line is that the clay is off center. So God started sending people circumstances. And, and he started putting a little bit of pressure on me. I was trying to do it myself, and it just wasn't working out. So he started putting pressure on me. One thing I can say about this, too, is because this is such a graphic illustration, there are, there are quite a few more scriptures in the Bible that talk about our relationship, that God is the potter and, and we're the clay. In a couple of places, he says, how dare you, clay, talk to me the way you do as the potter and say, why did you do this or why did you do that? You know, it comes back, for me, it comes back to trust. Uh, you know, I found myself here recently, and I told Jeannie this. I said, I just don't trust God in my life. And, I, you know, and, and having this opportunity to do this and, and rethink all of this, trust is it's so important because I, I don't think you heard a peep out of the piece of pottery that I threw. Where'd it go? Over there. That I threw. Not a peep. Not a peep of resistance. I mean, I'm the master over the clay. And so there, there are a lot of uh, scriptures, and, and what I find is the scripture wants me to get wisdom, but it also wants me to get understanding. And this illustration helps me a lot in understanding the relationship between a sovereign God 
and a piece of clay like myself. And what does he want to do? He wants to make me a vessel of honor in the house of the Lord. And he starts, he started by, I mean, if, can you see this? It's off center. But if I put just the right amount of pressure on it, I push it into the center where it belongs. God created me to show me his glory. He's responsible for me. And he showed me that I can trust him at the cross. At the, I mean, God so loved the world that he gave. He put that gruesome exhibition up there just so that I would trust him with my life. Job, earlier in, in the book of Job, even through all that he's going through, in one place, I believe it's in chapter 13, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So, did that thing come off of my head again? Okay. He, he pushed me into the center, sent people in my direction, pointing, pointing me, pointing me, pointing me. Something I want to do in your life. It's the answer to all your questions. You're hiding behind marijuana. It's an illusion. It, it isn't permanent. It's not eternal. It doesn't work. It's a counterfeit. And then he plunged right into the heart of things. And then he started pulling at things. And he started opening me up a little bit. But you know, it's, it's pressure. It's designed pressure. It's controlled pressure. When I start this process out in, in the centering, I mean, I'm, I'm putting pressure on it, but I've got to have the wheel spinning as fast as it can. It makes it it, it, as a potter, I know economy of, of the speed of how the clay is going. It makes it easier for me to get this centered. So I get it centered. And then as I, as I bring this up, and you also notice I'm using water. We're washed by the water of the word. I don't do anything without water on this clay. It would, it would, it would get sticky. It would stick to my hands. It just, it just wouldn't work. But as I... As I thin the clay out and move the clay up, I'm still applying pressure, but I'm slowing the wheel down. Jeannie and I, when we were first born again, we, we came into the kingdom on a demonstration of spirit and power. Ken Hagen was making the rounds. And, and, I mean, there was just, there was an awful lot about the second coming of the Lord. The spirit of prophecy was in the air. And there was a lady that laid hands on us and prophesied so powerfully that my spirit man inside was jumping up and down. I mean, my stomach was doing convulsions, and it just was not something that I could manufacture. You know your spirit is down deep in your body. It's in your bowels. And my spirit man was bearing witness with what this lady was saying. And, and the Lord, by the spirit through her, was saying that he was going to give us a ministry with the lost and wandering. And, I, you know, things were moving so fast. We had our plans. We were going to Europe. We became born-again Christians before we left. 
then all of a sudden, all our plans just sort of fell apart, and we put them aside, and we ended up living with a Dutch family in Holland that we had never met before. I called them. We were on bicycles riding 50 miles a day. And, and I called them, and I said, uh, can we come and visit you? I got the name of this guy. He was an overseas director. Uh, he looked a little bit like John Pastor. He, we were about three miles away on our bicycles, and I called, and, I, and, I, and, and, and the mother of the family, her name was Betsy Smith, Betsy, she answered the phone, she spoke English, and I, I said, we're, we're from America, we're Christians, we got your name from the back of the Full Gospel Businessman's Voice magazine. Can we come and visit? We invited ourselves to dinner on a Saturday night from, from America. What could they say? They said, well, sure. Well, we found out that they're spirit-filled. First, we didn't know. God's taking care of us. So we ended up living with them for five weeks. I mean, we didn't invite ourselves. Can we stay at your house for five weeks, you know, while we find out what the Lord's doing in our lives? But <laughs> we, we went to church with them. We, they said, well, you know, it's getting too late. You're riding bicycles. You don't have any place to, to camp. Uh, why don't you stay overnight? So they had five kids. This little, it was a, a row house. He's an engineer, and uh, so they were fairly well off by Dutch economic standards. So they put us in a room by ourselves, and the next day we went to church with them. On the way back from church, it rained. Now, we had given our clothes. We were, had been on the road, and we hadn't washed our clothes in a while, so Betsy washed, washed our clothes. It rained. So, well, they didn't have a dryer. Stay another night. Well, okay. Monday morning, woke up. The kids go off to school. John, or Jan, goes, goes off to work. And Betsy's, and it starts, it's, I mean, a deluge. It's blowing. I mean, it's raining like crazy. And we're supposed to be leaving. And I'm out in the garage. I'm getting, getting the bikes ready. And Betsy is saying, I just don't feel like the Lord wants you to leave. One thing led to another. We ended up staying with his family for five weeks. God opened up the Bible to us. We got baptized in water in Germany. We went to see, um, oh gosh, what was this? Uh, I forget. They treated us so well. They had a Bible study in their house. It was, it was just incredibly of the Spirit. So all our plans fell apart. We decided not to go to Italy. We ended up going to a Dutch Bible school and sought the Lord on what he wanted us to do. Well, as soon as you let it out in the Christian community that you want to serve God someplace, all of a sudden, does everybody want you, want workers, Teen Challenge, everybody. We ended up in a Christian community in Amsterdam, and surprise of surprises, we didn't realize it, but our, our daughter was born. Jeannie couldn't have children. The month that we gave our hearts to the Lord in August 1974, she conceived. Our daughter was born in May of 1975 in a student hospital in Amsterdam, Holland. God just took such tremendous care of us. But he changed our hearts. He changed our plans. Initially, when we left Florida to go up to Michigan to do that last art show, we were going to Europe, and we were going to do our artwork, and we had our own plans 
And slowly but surely, God changed our plans for us. Well, you know, there are all kinds of clay. And this whole appeal, of course, and I just made another little piece of pottery here. And uh, I haven't even talked about the tools that God uses in our lives. This is a sharp, ugly one. God has used some pretty uncomfortable things on the church over the course of time. He had a whole church that was camped out in Jerusalem, and they weren't moving, and so he allowed persecution to come in, and then the gospel spread to the four corners of the earth. This is a sharp tool. Maybe you saw where I trimmed off the top there. If need be, I've got, I've got plenty of tools. This, this is it's called a rib, and it's used along the side. Uh, to form, of course, I've used this to trim extra off the bottom and so on. So there are a lot of tools at God's disposal. But there's a lot of different kinds of clay. And um, this is, this guy, he's been fired. I'm not going to alter his existence at all. But he, I exalt me. Um, let's see here. My wife is part of the team. And uh, she shares in this, and she actually is the one. This is another piece of, of pottery that she's altered. And uh, this is hard-hearted, I exalt me. He's self-centered, isolated, rejected, and neglected. No identity with virtual reality and fantasies. He's indifferent, rebellious towards authority, no respect, depressed, defensive, helpless, and suicidal. Now this guy, he's been fired and he doesn't hold anything. He's just full of himself. Okay. Now in the first service, oh there's I exalt me. Can you put up that guy? The one that this, this is a result of that guy right there. He was hard-hearted, do-it-my-way man. He's burnt out on his own strength. He's, he has, uh, that's a can of spinach there in his, in his right hand. Uh, on, the, on the left there, in the heart place, his heart is broken. He's burnt out in his own strength with a Popeye complex. He's a bodybuilder. He's to the rescue. That's his reasoning. He's got a big head. He's a big ego. He's tight-fisted. He's angry, stubborn, judgmental, violent temper with a disappointed, broken heart. Now, he got his in the first service, see. This, this is for the ladies. This, God's involved in all of our lives, and we all have issues. I'm still, uh, and, and I'm sure I will be, just like, you know, if I, oh, I turned it off. Oh, I turned it the wrong way. It has a forward and a reverse. Now, come on.
if I put my hand in here and just push, push out something, I can kind of, as this is spinning around, I can make it look a little bit wobbly when it's going around, you know? God's not done with us. We're, we're a little bit wobbly, but you stop us at any point in time, and we can look really good. Well, this lady is finger-pointed, hard-hearted woman. She's loud, controlling, manipulative, critical with excuses and blame, offended. She's bitter from past hurts. With present frustrations and future fears, she's insecure, attention-starved, and has out-of-control emotions. Well, what God does with us in this dry state knows just what to do. And I'm not saying he takes a hammer, but this hammer is here for demonstration purposes. He just starts to knock us apart. What is interesting about clay is that as a potter, I won't ever throw it away. It can be just as dried out. As a matter of fact, it could be fired. We used to get our clay from a place in Plant City. It was a, a brick and tile factory. And they had a red clay. It was called Ugamugi clay. It was an Indian name for the clay. And they would not waste a single bit of the clay. If they had a batch of bricks or tiles that went bad, they would take it and put it in a grinder and smash it up and put it back and pulverize it and put it back into the clay. Even this guy, as fired as he is, as hard as he is, can be redeemed. This is, is a piece, this is just a lump of clay. It was, in the course of things, it was going to be used for something. And now it's dried out. But the thing about it, and, and this came out of a clay bag, it never, it never got picked up or wedged or anything like that. It is, this got dried out before we ever could, could put it together and didn't have a plan for it. The bottom line is, though, if I won't throw any clay away. Jeannie had, uh, from her school days, uh, after we got married, she had a bucket of clay in her mother's garage, and her mom asked her, should I throw that away? No, Mom, don't throw away the clay because we can reconstitute it. This uh, she's up there. This right here is the remains of Mr. Hard-Hearted Doing It My Way Man. This guy here, I took his broken pieces like this and put him, put him in the water, all broken up. Remember the washing of the water of the word? People came to me and said, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son for you, Dave. So take those broken, dry pieces and immerse them in the water of the word. It, it, they melt. It's like Alka-Seltzer. It just melts, and it goes back to where now when I, because I know what I'm doing here, I wait for it to go back to that just, just melted, it's broken down. I pour the water off, and then... I put it on a plaster, we call them bats, a plaster surface, and it soaks the water out of it. And then I take the clay, and when it's ready, when I can 
put it in my hands without it sticking to my hands. Then I wedge it, and I get all the bubbles. There's air bubbles in there. I get all the bubbles out of it. So the wedging was taking place before God put me on the wheel, getting me ready, okay? Life, life is happening all around us. It used to be, uh, I used to clean up my potter's wheel for these type of things. I, you know, got to be neat. I mean, that was my mom, you know, got to be neat. But I've, all of a sudden I thought, no, man, life is messy. Life is hard. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're vessels of clay, the treasure, the spirit, so that the power, the surpassing greatness of the power is not of ourselves, it's of God. Tremendous, what a, what a great, what a wonderful promise and a wonderful revelation. So there's no clay that's wasted. The clay goes back into the water and then we work it through. I said that I've been, you know, I've had some issues. I've been struggling in my walk with the Lord. And uh, uh, it's true. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, how, how Lord, what? Because, I, you know, you figure, 1974, we got a prophecy. And so... You know, God's going God's to use this. And I, I had this idea that it was going to be some grandiose thing. I mean, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure what it was going to be, but I thought, man, I thought it was going to be really some showy thing. So 25 years come and go, and, uh, you know, I'm just walking with the Lord. We're doing little things here and there. Nothing's going on. 35 years, well, nothing. Well, finally, I realized that there's, there's a scripture in oh gosh I wanted to say I, I thought it was in Amos for so long um, Micah Micah 6.8 I will show you oh man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, in my learning to walk humbly with my God, what I mean, what does that look like? Well, what that looks like for me is that I just put my hands down as a piece of clay in the potter's hands, and I say, Okay, Lord, I trust you. I'm gonna walk humbly with you. I'm just gonna do what I do day to day, and I'm going to trust you because you showed me how much I can trust you at the cross. Amen. That whole scripture in Micah chapter 6, it's talking about God doesn't want sacrifices. He doesn't want this. He doesn't want that. It's very cut and dry, very simple. I'll show you, a man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's where my forgiveness comes in. That's where I don't carry grudges. That's where I don't let bitterness. I mean, there's so much health just in that little, and so much potency in life in that little scripture. Do justly and love mercy and walk humbly 
with thy God. There, there are all different types of examples of clay up here. My wife has a wonderful God-given talent for capturing a, a license and doing realistic uh, uh, likenesses and pieces of sculpture. Uh, we've collaborated in a lot of things. Um, I, <laughs> I, if I showed you what I started out with in 1972, I mean, it, it's, it's really funny to me. But we finally found where the Lord put us together and we're a team. And so I will throw the pot and then I'll give it to her and I'll trust her to design, embellish, do things on it. And, um, uh, but there, there are all different types of vessels. We are all different types of vessels. Some of us are small in stature, but still, what do, what do these things have in common? Even, even this one over here, even this piece, it's, it's what I call decorative. It's what I call decorative. This thing, sorry, Pastor, it just won't stay on my ear. Um, it's called decorative. These I would call more functional. And they all have a purpose. They all have a use. They all have a beauty about them. So I don't have to be concerned whether my ministry is going to be global or whether it's going to be serving in a local church. The point of the matter is that all of these vessels serve a purpose. And I'm going to take a liberty here and I'm going to say, if you as a vessel in the Lord's hands are not serving somewhere in the body of Christ, whether it's here or someplace else, I'm, I'm not the one that called you. I'm not the one that's able to make you stand. God deals with me, and I'm doing, I'm walking humbly with my God. But if you're not, you're missing a blessing, and you're missing God's purpose in your life. We will get the most joy, the most peace, the most blessing. I will get that as I submit without complaint, without crying. Well, Lord, I don't want you to do I don't want to go. I don't, I don't, ah, I, I, I didn't like, I find, Jeannie tells me all the time, you're complaining, I don't want to listen to you. Well, if you don't listen to me, I got to vent someplace. Well, I thought that's what wives were for. <laughs> Whatever you do, if you walk out of here, ask the Lord, what are you doing with me? Where can I serve? Where can I be a vessel for your glory and your honor? Where can I show forth? the riches and the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pastor.